Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's lesson is entitled, Biblical Teachings Viewed as Zen Cohen's. Please welcome Rev. George Wolfe. Hello, and welcome to Converging Streams. I'd like to begin today with an interfaith psalm. An interfaith psalm which is using an archer as a metaphor. A metaphor for someone taking aim on the spiritual path in his effort to gain enlightenment. With patience, draw back the will to follow the archer's path. Take aim to pierce the questioning sky with your melodies of silver that warm the silence and still the quivering breath. Let go of becoming. Ask without words. Seek without longing. Knock without sound. Wade through streams of time into the sanctuary of being, and there wait for the arrow of insight to pierce your crystal mind. Almost everybody enjoys a good riddle or a good puzzle, a funny story. When we think about religion, we often fail to realize that there are many amusing riddles and puzzles within religious traditions. One particular tradition, which is somewhat noted for this, is the Zen Buddhist tradition. In Zen Buddhism, we have what we call koans. Koans are riddles or stories which are phrased in such a way that they cannot really be understood on the intellectual level. They are given to disciples who are seeking spiritual growth, and the master gives them these riddles or puzzles to force them to set aside their intellectual analysis and rely on their intuitive faculties in order to comprehend the deeper meaning of the story or riddle. One particular uh, Zen koan, which I could give you now as an illustration, is one where there is a, a Zen master who is running uh, in, the, in the forest away from a tiger. And attempting to flee the tiger, he runs and comes up to a cliff. The tiger is pursuing him, of course, and so he takes a rope and ties it to a tree, then shinnies his way down the rope on the cliff in hopes of getting away at the tiger. And he looks up and he sees the tiger has come, is now standing on the top of the cliff, looking down at him. The master then looks down on the ground as to where he would be landing, and it turns out that another tiger has come and is standing on the ground looking up at him. Realizing the futility of his effort to escape, he looks to the side of the, of the cliff, and he sees a very beautiful strawberry, and he picks the strawberry and savors its wonderful taste. Now, this particular story is meant to illustrate that no matter what is pursuing you from the past or awaiting you in your future, you should always take time to savor and enjoy and live in the present moment. Another rather amusing Zen koan is about a, a master who, whenever he answered a question, he would raise his right hand and his right index finger. And this was just a mannerism which he had, very innocent mannerism. Well, it turned out that one of his disciples began to adopt the same mannerism. Every time the disciple would be asked a question to speak, 
the disciple would raise his right hand and his right index finger. The master, in observing this, decided that he needed to do something about this, so he called his disciple, and he asked the disciple a question. And when the disciple answered, raising his right hand and his right index finger, the master took a sword and cut off his finger. And immediately, the disciple was enlightened. (laughs) Now, you may think, that's a rather strange story, but the meaning often given to it is that you don't gain spiritual enlightenment by imitating the master. Imitating the teacher, adopting unconsciously their mannerisms, purposely adopting their diet, what they wear, how they speak, and so forth, is often a trait of disciples. They do this perhaps somewhat unconsciously. But the whole purpose of pursuing spiritual enlightenment and finding your spiritual path is to find the path of life which is right for you to live according to one's own nature and not copy the nature or the path of someone else. And so once the master had sliced off the finger of the disciple, the disciple was liberated from his attachment to imitating and thus could find and realize his own uniqueness. Now several years ago, I began to reflect on a scriptural passage which is from the Christian tradition in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. This particular passage, the Apostle Paul writes a verse which is uh, often quoted and is quite famous, and usually the version that is quoted is from the King James translation, and it reads like this, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. It's a rather famous passage, but in the Revised Standard Version, it reads a little differently. For now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face. Now, if you look up the literal Greek, it actually says, but now we see through a mirror like a riddle, but then face to face. Once I found out what the original Greek said, I began to think, a riddle, hmm. What about looking at various passages, various stories in the uh, Bible as if they were koans? And so I began to reflect on stories that I were familiar with, stories which were somewhat unusual, perhaps expressed paradoxically, as Cohen's. One particular story I began to reflect on was the story in the book of Numbers in the Bible, uh, which is the story of Balaam's ass. Balaam had been instructed by the Lord not to go with the princes of Moab. But Balaam gets up in the morning and decides to do it anyway. And so he takes his ass or donkey and saddles it and gets on it and begins to ride to Moab. The Lord was angry at this, so he places an angel obstructing the path. And the ass, seeing the angel, moves off the path and goes a different way. Balaam then strikes the donkey to bring him back onto the path. And this happens two more times, until eventually the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey says, why are you hitting me like this? Have you not been riding me for many, many years? And at this point, the Lord opens the eyes of Balaam and he sees the angel, which the donkey had seen. And he realizes it happened because he was disobeying the Lord's command. So he falls on the ground, bows down in humility. If you look at the story from a Zen perspective, like a Zen koan, like a Zen riddle or puzzle, then it becomes amusing in that here the truth is revealed to Balaam. 
through a jackass. <laughs> and in fact, it is also a story which illustrates how assumptions can cause us to be blind to the truth and not see the truth. In this particular case, Balaam was making the assumption that the ass that he was riding was a typical stubborn donkey. And so he was simply blaming the nature of the donkey for being this way, rather than looking and being able to see the truth, being able to see the angel before him, which the donkey had seen. It is our assumptions which often blind us to the truth and prevent us from seeing that which is obvious. The story of Balaam's ass then becomes a somewhat amusing story if we look at it through the eyes of Zen philosophy. Now, another rather Cohen-like teaching comes to us in the Gospel of John from the Christian tradition. In the ninth chapter of John, Jesus has healed a person that was born blind. And the entire chapter describes how the authorities in the town got together to try to understand what happened here. And so they interviewed a lot of people, had people come in and testify very much like you would at a trial, trying to intellectually analyze what was going on who was responsible for this, and whether or not it was really true that this person was born blind, whether or not it was really true that he was blind, and whether or not it was really true that, in fact, he was healed. This particular discussion turns out not to yield any conclusion. And so they leave not really knowing what happened and arguing between them. At the end, Jesus makes a very uh, Zen-like paradoxical statement. He says... For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Now what an unusual statement. How is it that he would want to make the blind see, and those who see blind? Understanding this Cohen-like statement, requires us to view seeing as a metaphor for someone who has only legalistic or intellectual understanding, as is the case with people who live by the law rather than by spiritual insight. Such individuals need to realize that their intellectual understanding will never be able to comprehend the mysteries of the kingdom of God and that they must relinquish attachment to their intellectual knowledge and awaken those faculties of insight within them in order to acquire the spiritual vision that will enable them to truly see. Now the verses that follow Jesus' paradoxical teaching here yield yet another possible interpretation. For the Gospel of John then says that some of the Pharisees near him heard this, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Jesus may be calling to mind here the Garden of Eden story. If you remember from the Garden of Eden story, after Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it says, their eyes were then open, and they saw good and evil. Thus, Jesus may be saying that it is necessary for us to return to a condition of innocence prior to the fall, the fall of Adam, 
in order to be freed from our legalistic prejudices, which cause us to simplistically judge people and events as good or evil. Now, after my exposure to koans and puzzles in the Zen tradition, I began to think of some koans of my own, and I thought I would read a few of them here to close this program. The first koan goes like this. When God said, Let there be light, what language was he speaking? Hmm. Another koan is a takeoff on a question often asked in science, but put in the context of the Big Bang Theory of the universe. And it goes like this. If the Big Bang, which brought forth the universe, occurred 15 billion years ago, and no one was around to hear it, did it make a sound? Usually when we're introduced, we respond by giving our name. But I ask you, who were you before you had a name? Finally, there's this Cohen. What is the nature of that question? The answer to which can only be heard in the silence which precedes it. This is George Wolfe for Converging Streams. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.